Hello, everybody. Welcome to Audiobooks All Day. I'm Kevin. And I'm Jeff. And today, for Chapter 7, we are going to be reading Animal Farm by George Orwell. Animal Farm. Oof, man, where to start? What a commentary on human behavior. Very excited to hop into it. Like Kevin said, this was written by George Orwell. Uh, George Orwell is kind of an interesting character. He published this in 1945. Uh, he was born into colonial India. Um, when I say colonial, he was a British person that was born into the colony of you know India that the, the British controlled. Um, but he eventually began to become disenfranchised with colonialism, and he became an anarchist and later a socialist. Uh, in fact, he even ran the propaganda department for the BBC during World War II. Um, the person who reads the book is Ralph Cosham, just a nice and easy English voice, very fun to listen to. And this really is one of the classic literature books of, you know, the 20th century. And we're happy to, to kind of bring it in, but Kevin, why don't you tell us a little bit about the reasons why you read it? I got this book um, originally. My grandma and grandpa gave me a copy. Now, my grandpa was an educator his whole career, and the book had you know, was probably from some old school library. It had a couple stamps and it. it had a couple other people's names in it. I remember how much I cherished that book. You know, very interesting that we're doing Animal Farm right now. And it reminds me so much of my grandparents are actually this week, our uh, Jeff and mine, our, our grandmother passed away. And it was very sudden and it was actually, a, and it is still quite hard for the whole family. But I really, when I think about this book, you know, I think about everything that she gave to us, and I'm really grateful that she was able to give me this book because, like Jeff mentioned, it really it hits a lot of issues, and I think it's a book that all of us can can learn a lot from. So that my grandparents are the ones who introduced me to this book. So, Jeff, um, why did you decide to read it? Well, initially it was given to me by my dad. He, like Kevin, probably around the same time. I'm sure we probably read it when we were kids around the same time. I just got it from my dad and. Uh, I remember reading it initially, and I just totally didn't get it. I mean, I was like a teenager, you know, I was just like, this is a very terrible book. I mean, it's kind of like <laughs> the first time I read Lord of the Flies and Piggy died, it's like, oh my gosh, what, you know, this is a train wreck. And I now re-listening to it, you know, like I said earlier, Kevin uh, prompted me to listen to it again. I just really did not realize how amazingly written it is. And the thing is, is it's so simple. It just takes something that essentially happened. The Russian Revolution is kind of what it's a commentary on with Stalin, and or Lenin, rather. And then he just kind of put it into animal form. But it really is quite revealing. And I think that if you just change your perspective sometimes on things, you actually start to learn a lot more uh, about things. There are three main characters. There's a lot of characters in this book. But in my opinion, there's three main characters that you really need to know. The first one that you're introduced to pretty early on is named the Old Major. He's an old pig that gathers the animals together and kind of introduces them this idea that they should be in charge. Uh, Kevin, just tell us a little bit more about the Old Major. So the Old Major is this prize pig, and it's super old and gigantic, and the farmer, Farmer Jones, is super proud of this pig. And, you know, like, the, like Jeff said, this pig had this dream, which was more extrapolated or really in essence was a vision that rather than the farmer owning the animals that the animals should be able to run their lives for themselves that they don't have to be subjugated over this oppression that the farmer puts on them and that they can rise up and essentially be in charge of themselves and really it was just an idea uh, until the old major right after a huge speech that he gives dies 
and then you get introduced to the other two characters that I think are super important, and that's Snowball and Napoleon. Uh, they are the two that kind of uh, take on the revolution that I'll get into a little bit more in a second. So really, the, if, if I was to tell you like the main place, I mean, there's really like two places that it even really talks about in general anyways, and that's the Manor Farm, which is then re renamed, as Kevin already alluded to, that the animals kind of rise up and take over Farmer Jones's farm uh, into the Animal Farm, and then the pub where Farmer Jones goes and yeah. talks to all of his friends. I mean, like that's like really the only like major two places. Kind of going back to a lot, little bit of what Kevin said is these animals really catch the vision of what the old major is saying. So after he dies, he then, uh, Snowball and Napoleon start to organize the animals so that they can rise up and they actually do boot the farmer after a drunken rage uh, out of the farm. And the, the whole idea, after they get the farmer out, they, the whole idea is we want to create a society where all of us are equal, where all of us, we all do the work and we all sharing the benefits you know a lot of what old major was teaching and what later napoleon and snowball echoed was that you know like to the cow who gets your milk the farmer you know and to the chickens who gets your eggs the farmer you know and what what do we get you know the horses you pull this the all the you pull the plows and you do all this work and you get what a bag of oats it's like we're not reaping the benefits of our labor. And to go along with that, after they've booted out the farmer, Snowball leads the animals in establishing essentially seven commandments that kind of reflect these principles that Old Major had talked about that Kevin was just mentioning. And I think that they're worth going over. Number one is whatever goes on two legs is the enemy. Number two, whatever goes upon four legs or has wings is a friend, a.k.a. the chickens, right? So they have two legs. So, yeah, the ducks. Right. Number three, no animal shall wear clothes. Number four, no animal shall sleep in a bed. Number five, no animal shall drink alcohol, which really was inspired because Farmer Jones was always terrible to the animals mm -hmm. after he came back from the pub with his friends. Number six, no animal shall kill another animal. And seven, all animals are equal. With these commandments uh, are distilled a couple of uh, different phrases as well. And, and just kind of to expound on some of the commandments. Now, it, it kind of seems weird, like no animal shall wear, shall wear clothes, no animal shall sleep in a bed. Those seem kind of weird. And those all relate to number seven. All animals are created equally. Now, when they compared themselves to Farmer Jones, well, the Farmer Jones, he wore clothes, and that separated him from the animals, and he slept in a bed. That separated him. That put him, in his eyes at least, above, and he could drink alcohol. He could do these things. So all of them really tie to number seven, that all animals are created equal. You know, even number six, no animals shall kill another, that we don't have the right to kill each other, and that we're all equal. So with these commandments come these maxims, and one of them that's often repeated by the sheep, they just are always saying this is four legs good, two legs bad, and you just hear this all of the time. Well, the pigs really step in, and especially Snowball starts to step into this big leadership role. Well, one of the things that winds up happening is later on, they actually go into Farmer Jones's home. And, you know, they're looking around, they're kind of destroying some things. And Napoleon has never been comfortable with the fact that Snowball's in charge. I think that he always sees this bigger vision uh, for what it could be. Yeah, and, and, you know, even though they kind of started the, uh, the revolution together, they've always been, you know, counterparts. Like, they work together, but they hate each other. You know, they, they have very different visions, like Jeff was saying, of what they wanted. And there really creates a lot of tension. Because Snowball is really about Old Major's thing, about, you know, the straight-up communism of it all. Uh, 
and Napoleon is definitely a lot more greedy and you start to see this when they go into Farmer Jones's house and he sees that there are puppies. So he takes these puppies and he actually secretly hides them away and begins to raise them on his own and we'll, we'll circle back to that. You know, like Jeff was saying, the pigs were in the house and it starts to degrade like, like almost from day one the animals start to separate themselves, primarily the pigs. Now, the pigs are, you know, Old Major was a pig, uh, Snowball was a pig, and uh, Napoleon, they're all pigs, and all the pigs kind of represent this group. Now, the pigs for in this story are usually smarter, and they learn to read, actually, very quickly. And so they, because of they start to develop these intellectual skills, it becomes very easy to rationalize that, hey, we shouldn't be working out in the fields because we're doing all the planning and all the organizing. And that's, oh, that makes sense, you know. And then they start to order people like the donkey and the horse who are kind of these other, they're, they're, they re- they kind of represent, every, all the other animals represent more peasants in this scenario, but you really actually get a little bit more of the, of the perspective from the donkey and the horse. And, you know, they're ordered to just be working so hard. And one of the things that Napoleon does is that he orders this big mill to be built. You know, the horses are working super, super hard and, and the donkeys are working super, super hard to complete this. And uh, and even just a little bit before this, I think it's probably good to mention that there becomes a definite change in some leadership. Yeah, so like Jeff was saying, uh, Napoleon was raising these dogs. Now, it was at a town hall meeting one day and where everybody was talking, and it got, things got particularly heated between Snowball and Napoleon. And Napoleon decides to pull out his secret weapon. What actually happens is that these dogs chase Snowball out, and they wind up killing him. And now without any competition, Napoleon really settles into the role as this big ruler. It's kind of at this point where you really start to see a different tone. And mm-hmm. in fact, overnight... One of these, one of those days, there were secret amendments to rules four through six. This starts to, you know, really change a lot of the culture on the farm. Number so the original rule number four was no animal shall sleep in a bed. Well, number four that was revised overnight was no animal shall sleep in a bed with sheets. And and this one, you know, this one start this one arose because you know some of the animals started to ask questions because they moved into the farmer's house and they saw like hey an animal's in a bed like jeff said overnight then the rule was changed and then the pigs are like no look the commandment says no bed shall sleep no no animals shall sleep in a bed with sheets and how they just kind of start to change these commandments and then number 5 was set you know was changed from don't drink animal to or to don't drink alcohol to no animal shall drink alcohol to excess and then the last, the last one, number six, which is the most poignant, is no animal shall kill any other animal without cause. And this is really, you know, th- this rule is unfortunately used often as people aren't compliant, as people start to speak ill of the current regime, which is Napoleon's regime, then they are literally taken out and the dogs kill to kill the different animals. Mm-hmm. But all in, all in like this, this <clears throat> thing of we need to protect the community or uh-huh. quote unquote protect the community. And it just starts to see how the, these little things at the beginning start to, well, I, I guess the risk of being redundant, they start to snowball. And um, they, they, it, it ends up where the pigs are completely in charge. They are completely dominant. Yet they're still running this propaganda of, it's true, you know, like as pigs, we're, we're in the house and whatnot, but things are better than they used to be. You know, years start to pass and... You know, everyone's like, I, you know, one of the animals is like, you know, I'm still working. I'm still doing what I do, but I guess things are better 
now, you know, everyone tells me they're better now than they were, so they, they must be. Which really leads, for me, the big, uh, the, kind of the last big section of the book, and that's when Napoleon starts to, starts to trade with the humans. And, and in between all of this, like, they, the mill actually gets blown up um, by Farmer Jones and some of the other people who come back and have another battle uh, with the animals, but they still get repulsed. And the horse actually gets wounded. It's this really sad thing where, you know, you see these animals get hurt, but then they're still forced to work. And uh, just life, kind of like what Kevin was saying, it's not actually better. Uh, it's just literally a new change in leadership. But he starts to do this commerce and he starts to trade with people. And he starts to, you know, Napoleon starts to wear clothes and he starts to look like a, you know, general. People start calling him comrade. You know, like they start to essentially create the hierarchy. And so instead of Farmer Jones being at the top of the food chain, now it's just the pigs with really Napoleon being, you know, at the head and brainwashing everybody. And it it kind of it, it culminates the the very end. There's this huge event where the pigs, you know, like Jeff was saying, they've been they didn't been inviting I and mean, they've been trading with the other farmers is that they eventually invite the other farmers from around the people they've been trading with to Animal Farm to see how it's run. And at the very end, you know, the, the donkey and one of the horses and, you know, some of the animals are looking in the window and all the people are complimenting uh, the pigs on how much work they get out of their animals and how they get so much work out of their animals than everybody else. And, you know, how they're all so, they're so clever and how they can learn something. And then as the, the animals at the window are talking amongst themselves, a fight breaks out between Napoleon and one of the humans and it kind of ends at this moment where they're looking at Napoleon and they're looking at the humans and they can't tell the difference between them. And then that's literally a mic drop moment, you know, where you're like, oh my goodness, this person or these pigs have become the human. Mm -hmm. So kind of throwing it back to some of my takeaways. So throwing it back to some of the, the takeaways is that this is a satire on the Russian Revolution and the rise of communism. And this shows how, I also think that, you know, not only does it show how communism and how regimes perpetually kind of replace each other, because actually if you've ever seen the cartoon movie, which is fairly scary, but if you've ever seen it, actually at the very end, you see the donkey and some of the other animals going in to take out the pigs uh, at the very end. And it's just like, well, will things really change? Uh, they probably won't, you know, this, somebody else will be in charge. And then you kind of go through the whole political cycle. And that's kind of one of the maxims of the donkey. The donkey throughout the whole thing, you know, it's kind of the old, the old, the oldest animal on the farm. And it always says the same things like, well, things never really change. And, you know, it's asked like, well, aren't things better? You know, even right after the revolution, you know, Snowball or Napoleon asked, well, aren't things better? And say, well, things never really change. And even at the very end, you know, when they can't tell the difference, he's like, well, things never really change. Right. It really does show uh, also, as you look back through history, I mean, this same thing has happened so many times. I mean, you look at how Gaddafi ruled in Libya. I mean, this is exactly the same thing. It's just one totalitarian ruler after the next who's reaping the rewards of the people uh, while the people suffer. I mean, he, and he, you know, he's not the only one. I think that we can just look to Russia uh, especially back in the early 20th century. And that's just, you know, Lenin was replaced with Stalin uh, and literally nothing changed. And they're just, you know, they repress the people and they make them work and they split them into social strata. Even though the communism is a really awesome idea and if it worked, that'd be great. You know, everybody is 
eat it, you know, is given to proportional to what they need, which is great, and everybody contributes. Well, if you have a society, though, where people aren't altruistic, especially the leaders of that society, then this is what's going to happen. And that's essentially what the commentary is. Uh, Kevin, why don't you take us through some of your takeaways? You know, uh, this, this book has been used in a lot of, you know, like Jeff was saying, a lot, it's been used in a lot of anti-communism uh, literature, a lot of anti-communism, you know, discussions. It's also, I've heard it used in a lot of anti-fascism, anti-dictatorship, really anti any type of government or ruler where somebody asserts themselves above somebody else. And at the end of the day, that's a takeaway. That's the main takeaway that I'm taking away is that when a government or a leading body puts itself above the people, that's where problems come. When people start becoming better. Yeah, when the people can't check the government. I think that that's one powerful thing about, about a democracy is that if, you know, if, if Napoleon, you know, if there was checks and balances on Napoleon, then the donkey could have actually brought, you know, to maybe a legislative body that was a separate mm-hmm. but equal power. Um, you know, maybe it was made up of a group of all of the different animals. So maybe you had uh, a donkey, a horse, and a chicken, and a cow all mm-hmm. in this governing body. And then he could appeal to them by saying, hey, I don't agree with Napoleon. And then having some sort of way to get Napoleon either out if he's not a good ruler or to maybe check him to be more, quote unquote, benevolent because he has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's also something that I think you're getting at is just that it really does show the beauty of a democracy because you don't keep having these people just replace people at the top of some sort of social strata that then can control the rest of people. Mm -hmm. And like Jeff said earlier, sure, if people were altruistic, then a dictatorship, uh, fascism, uh, monarchy. Well, mainly just communism. Communism. I I think it's mainly just, you know, the the principles of communism and of pooling together all resources and being able to distribute them as according to people's needs. I think that that, that, I mean, that that sounds super great. You know, there's no now wealth disparity. Nobody's Mm -hmm. going without um, you know, you're taking care of everybody in the society, but it, it really relies on a few things. And one, everybody's contributing in at least some yeah. way and that there's some sort of benevolent distributor. Yeah. And here you don't see – here you see a lot of people contri- contributing, but you don't see a benevolent distributor. Uh-huh. I mean, like the thing is if, if people – if us as people were better, we would be better to each other and things would be better. And I know that's a lot of betters, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it is nonetheless true. And I think Animal Farm is a wonderful book, and it really helps you ask yourself those questions. Now, whatever you believe is the perfect political system, Animal Farm is a very important book to help you look at your own humanity and the humanity of others and maybe what we could be and what we are and how we should be. Yeah, because at the end of the day, there are principles of that, like I was saying, that are good and that hit home. But at the same time, if you give too much power to a certain person, absolute <laughs> power corrupts absolutely. Nailed it. Um, and that's just the way it happens. And so anyways, we love this book. We hope that you take a, take a listen. And we really appreciate uh, you guys coming in. And uh, thank you for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much. You guys have a great day. And don't forget to live your story.